Thank you so much for downloading our podcast, Manage Your Money God's Way. We are from Compass Catholic Ministries, where we teach the best practices for handling money. We have a Bible study that will go through the biblical principles and show you how to not only reduce your debt, but eliminate it altogether. That study is called Faith and Money Matters, and you can take a look for yourself at compasscatholic.org. Joining me today, as always, the co-founders of Compass Catholic Ministries, John and Evelyn Bean. As we were discussing possible topics for today's show, we began to talk about, you know, what's going to be like once this pandemic ends? And then the light bulb just came on and we said, that's it. That's the topic we need to discuss. So think about the changes that have occurred since February. Schools are now online. Groceries and other essentials can be delivered right to your home. Companies have adjusted to how they do business. And people are forming new habits like sanitizing your hands or surroundings multiple times a day. So, Evelyn, let's start out by discussing some of the items that you have on your list that will have an impact on us. You know, Steve, I think one of the biggest impacts is going to be how much more dependent we are on online services. Before this, we were very much into social media and things like that. But think about all the things recently that have gone online that maybe weren't available before, like the schools. I can see a lot of parents trying to school their kids online and not put them back into the public schools. So do you see in place of parent teaching child that it's more of a small group, five or six individuals all doing this online, monitored by by teachers? Well, I can see this coming up as an as a new business maybe, you know, homeschooling for I mean homeschooling online. And, and and I think what you described, Steve, is pretty much the way today homeschooling works because what I've heard in talking to different families is that you'll get two or three families together, you know, and, and they will take turns teaching different subjects and stuff like that. I think that's going to, I think I agree absolutely with Evelyn. I think that's going to grow because I think there's so many more things that you can do in homeschooling, different directions and depths that you can take the kids in as they explore world geography or, or political climates or whatever in the school system. They just don't seem to have time for that. Well, the biggest thing is that the school curriculum just wraps around everyday life. You know, like math can be taught when you're making biscuits for breakfast in the morning. Right. Or geography can be taught when you're going to visit grandma on the on the airplane. So it's just a way to weave learning into everyday life. So I think I think it's going to have a big impact on the schools and online learning. So as we get into this discussion, uh, I'm starting to understand. So you and John feel that we are now headed into a new normal. I think in a lot of cases, things are going to completely disappear, but in other cases, we're going to go back to the old normal. But do you feel in some practices, complacency will set in and people will revert back to old habits, old practices? I think I in some, case, of, some cases they will, but I, I don't think, think abs- everything will. Yeah, I think absolutely that you're going to get that complacency. It won't happen overnight. You know, if you remember 9-11 and how everybody was totally wrapped up in what happened and, and, and the, the indignity and, and all that kind of stuff. Here we are 18 years later, 19 years later, it's like people have pretty much forgotten about it. Everything has gone back pretty much to the way, it, probably not everything, that's a bad statement, but many, many, many things have gone back to the way it was. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you had a huge church population immediately after 9-11. Mm-hmm. People flocked to church 
And today, the churches are maybe even more empty than they were pre-9-11. So I think that type of uh, situation is going to happen again. On the topic of religion, what are your thoughts about uh, once the churches are open again, that we're going to see more people come back to Mass? I can't wait to get back to Mass. (laughs) I really miss it. The online stuff has been great. It's been a blessing to connect with our community online, but I really miss the presence and I miss the Eucharist. I'm, yep. I'm just really ready to get back to my peeps at church. The the other thing about faith that I think is going to be uh, become an issue, and this is going to kind of take us into a medical discussion maybe, I think medical world is going to uh, have a whole new set of paradigms as a result of what we're going through now. But the thing that really scares me the most is that there have been stories, and I can't vouch for the truthfulness or the accuracy of the stories, of uh, doctors and nurses making decisions on who gets a bed and who they just leave in the hallway to die. And they're not taking into uh, the context or into their decision-making the sanctity of life. One thing that that we have in the Catholic Church that is, I think, probably totally in a different level than in our secular world, and, and that's being concerned about the sanctity of life, that God has us here for a purpose. And if we're still leaving and breathing, we have a purpose in life. And I don't imagine anybody would confess that they know what that purpose is. But even in the struggle to to live, to breathe, at the very end of your life, if you weren't supposed to be there at that particular moment, you wouldn't be there. Right. And I, I think that's going to become a huge issue uh, as we go forward because people are going to just assume that the doctors and nurses can make those kinds of decisions. And I don't think that's a decision they should be making. And John, in one of the daily news updates that we saw on television, it was either the Surgeon General or the Assistant Surgeon General said that if you have to go to the hospital, make sure you take your living will with you. I did hear that. And hopefully you have a Catholic living will. Yeah, that little announcement really caught my ear. Well, when John and I, I don't know if you remember that, but we were sitting there watching the news together and I turned to you and I said, set your house in order. Yes, yes, (laughs) I do remember that. But I I, I think that 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 living will, that's, I mean, that should be the case anytime you go to the hospital. In fact, you know, last year when I had back surgery, the uh, doctor's office specifically had a process whereby if you have a living will, you provide it to us. Okay, let's shift topics a little bit and let's discuss finance since that is, I guess, the number one topic that a lot of people have on their mind. Loss of job or their hours were cut from full to part time. What is it going to look like as we start coming out of this pandemic? What is it going to look like and then moving forward? Well, I hope that people will be a lot more conservative with their spending. We um, have a tendency in America to want everything we see and then to use credit to buy it. And that often leads to credit card debt, which people just assume they can continue to pay for because they're working, they have a job, the credit card bill isn't that much, and they never really get out of that credit card debt. So hopefully people will be much more conservative about using credit to fund a lifestyle they can't afford. And doesn't the Bible actually speak to that, Evelyn? So from James 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 13 to 15, we hear, Come now, you who say... 
Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are just a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills it, we will do this or that. So the people who are going into debt, they've got this desire to have X, Y, Z, whatever it is. And they say, well, I'll just put it on the credit card because I'll be able to pay for it in the future. That verse speaks directly to that. One thing that I've heard you two talk about for, I was going to say for years, but in reality, decades, is a crisis budget. (laughs) You're aging all of us, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you're 37. (laughs) And we've been talking about it since we were five. Yes, we have. Wasn't that part of your high school graduation talk? This crisis proves the importance of having a crisis budget. So my question is, as we come out of the pandemic, do I maintain my crisis budget for another four, six weeks? Uh, And let's say I'm back to work full time. My wife is back to work full time. Or do I operate and maintain a partial crisis budget for the foreseeable future? Well, I think a lot of it depends on what your situation is when you're ready to come out of the crisis budget. You know, did you run up debt in the pandemic? Do you still have your job? Do you have a full-time job? Are you getting your full salary? So a lot of it's going to depend personally on where that person is. So unless you're back to where you started, I would say you have to ease back into your regular budget. Well, and I would go even further than that. The idea that you've got to understand where you are in the in the new part is extremely important because you know if you still don't have a job you can't just throw your crisis budget away and start with your old budget again right, because right. you know that's just not going to work but i think that this uh gives everybody the opportunity to rethink what their regular budget quote unquote regular budget should be You know, a lot of things got cut out in that crisis budget. Do I really need to add those again? Did I really miss, you know, not being able to do this or that, whatever it was that got cut out because of the crisis? I think that that what we're going to find is that people are going to be able to retool their normal, quote unquote, normal budgets based on the new normal or what they experienced during the crisis and the things they cut out. And they said, I didn't really miss that. I don't need to to put money in a budget for that. You know, for Audrey and I and for just about everyone, the dining out expense was either zero or very small. And coming out of the pandemic, it may have us look on how much we really do need to eat out. And that's so sad. We know who not to call when we want to go out to eat. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's a great idea because you're you're looking at the things that you didn't do because of the crisis and not necessarily because you didn't have the money for it. It just the lifestyle changed and now reevaluating and and how you're going to go forward. I think that's a positive. The one learning experience when it comes to finance that came out of this pandemic is our awareness of where our money was, how we were spending the money that we did spend, whether it was going to the grocery store, the box store to buy some hardware or something online that we uh, needed. It made us more aware and even question at times some of the spending that we are about to do. Well, it's all around you. I mean, you're hearing about all the unemployment figures and this getting cut and that getting cut and you're locked down in the house. So it's obvious that it's a good time to think about what your priorities are. 
And hopefully one of those priorities remained being generous to the church, because I know a lot of churches are hurting now with people not physically being at Mass and not putting physical money or a check into the collection plate. So hopefully a lot of the churches will recover quickly, because I know that that's going to be a very um, tough position for a lot of them. Well, I think it goes not just to the church, but to many, many different charities. You know, I think people have uh, probably kind of frozen their uh, giving over the last uh, six or eight weeks and, and uh, at least to some extent, at least reduced it, trying to figure out which end is up and how are we going to be able to proceed. And, and so I, I think um, joy isn't derived from materialistic um, purchases or materialistic things, ultimate joy. Joy does result from giving to see the um, what people can do with the money that you've given them to allow them to to minister to others and you know whether it's a church or, or charities that does produce some joy and and I think we don't have enough of that in our world today I would like to see people be able to do that so here we are in May and I know summertime is on the minds of a lot of people what do you say about summer vacation we just canceled ours and we did. We had actually a... we canceled two of them. Well, one of them got canceled for us. But <laughs> <laughs> one, of, one of my biggest fears is people will talk themselves into taking a, a, an unbelievable summer vacation because, because we I des- deserve. It. I deserve it because yes. we went through he whatever for the last two plus months, and we've got to take the family and get away. I mean, what what do you say to those people? I would say be careful because that's number one. You want to make sure that it's healthy to do that. But number two, you want to make sure you've got the money to pay for it. Otherwise, you're just going to be in this constant stress mode because you don't have enough money to pay the bills. And if you um, are going someplace different, is it, like Evelyn said, mentioned, is it a safe place to be going? You know, who stayed at that place before you did? Mm -hmm. You know, what what precautions have have been made and if you haven't already paid for that you know a lot of times when if you're renting a house at the beach or something like that they collect money pretty far in advance but i think most of them if you decide that you're not going to go and you're still within more than 60 days away a vacation that begins in in june and here it is may you're only 30 days away you're probably going to lose some of your money but if it's still an August kind of vacation or September, you still have the ability to cancel and get the majority of your money back. That's something that, that people can look back on five years from now and say, oh, I remember when we didn't go to this or that uh, kind of place because of the pandemic. You know, if you don't go on vacation this year, it's not going to ruin the rest of your life. And what about as we move past vacation season, then we get into Christmas You're not going to cancel Christmas, are you? No, not going to cancel Christmas, but people that have been laid off and have returned back to work, either full or part-time, what advice do you give them when it comes to the Christmas season and the buying of gifts? Well, I think you need to be sensible on Christmas anytime, whether you're working full-time and making a great salary or not. So I would say if you're going to cut back on Christmas and you're looking for a reason to cut back with the rest of the family, this year may be a good excuse to put that into place and then just never go back to the overspending that people typically do at Christmas time. So this would be a good time to have a conversation with your family to talk about, let's redefine how we do gift exchange. Correct. 
very much so. Whether somebody has gone back to work or not, that's a huge issue. And, and jobs got dropped really fast in uh, the end of February through March. Even into April, there was more furloughs. The first week of April, there was a lot of resort theme park kind of places that furloughed thousands and thousands of people uh, across the United States, across the world, really. So how quickly do those jobs come back? And, and so what is your financial situation? That has to be a number one determiner on what you're going to do going forward, not only for vacation, but for Christmas, too. I think all of the families, they realize that, I mean, even little kids realize that this is not normal. And if a parent can just explain that we can't do this this year because of everything that's happened, you know, you didn't go to school for two months or three months or whatever it is. None of this other stuff happened. We couldn't even go to church. I think the kids will understand it. You don't have to worry about the kids being disappointed. Well, they may be disappointed, but they'll have an understanding that, that probably maybe even exceeds their parents' mm -hmm. understanding. Let's get into a discussion about socializing. What's your thoughts from this point forward? Well, one of the things that I heard a news person say was there would be no more shaking hands. And that just seems so over the top to me. I mean, think about the friends that we have. You know, our typical thing is hug everybody when you get there, hug right. everybody when you leave. And Well, that's not shaking hands. <laughs> yeah, it's hands-free, right? <laughs> but that would be so sad because that human contact is so important, especially for some of our elderly people, like the lady that sits in front of us in church in the uh, wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she gets pats and hugs and, and uh, all that kind of stuff when everybody's coming back from communion. And I think that she really thrives on that. You can see her little face yeah. light up as people go past, especially the little ones, and, and touch her. So I hope that we don't lose that human contact. That would be so sad. Yeah, it's very difficult for me to wrap my arms around the idea that the handshake will disappear. <laughs> and you shouldn't because no. you're not shaking hands, so don't put your <laughs> arms around it. <laughs> but do you see the less um, frequent visits to family and friends' homes? Because I don't think so. No, I don't either. Uh, for, not for us, I don't think. I think once this whole lockdown thing in our state is over, we're going to be in each other's houses like we've never been before because I miss everybody. And when the lockdown is lifted, I really hope that uh, we get back to supporting local retailers, whether it's a retail shop, a restaurant. And I hope that they're they were going to be able to survive what they just went through the last couple of months. Yeah, we try to, um, that little Vietnamese place up the road, we have got takeout from there a couple of weeks ago just because... They're a nice family. They're trying to make it. It's it's so sad if they go out of business due to this, but we really haven't gotten that much takeout. But, you know, along with that uh, that issue of shaking hands and, and well, will people gather together, I think people are really having a struggle with not gathering together now. And, and in fact, if you look at the news or listen to the news, you hear instances of police actually going to somebody's house who's having a party uh, in defiance of whatever mayor or governor or whatever uh, law that has been passed. People want to have that community. I think the community is the important thing. Well, think about us. When we take our walks at night, we've seen more neighbors since this whole thing started than we've ever seen any other time before. You know, yes, there's, yes. you know, two or three couples sitting out in the driveway, all 
physically separate like they're supposed to be or one of the other neighbors who's walking behind us or in front of us and we chat with them while we walk along for a while and we've seen a lot more neighbors than we had before this whole thing started and um, it's kind of nice getting to meet people that you haven't met before. And they're there because they can't be somewhere else, right. you know, and I think that's that's a big thing. They They can't be somewhere else. But, you know, I think along with whether people are going to gather together or whether they're going to be able to shake hands, another issue that, that uh, I think is going to arise is that there are so many new applications where people are being tracked by their telephone right. where they're traveling. You know, they came from New York and they went to City A or B or C. They're, they've got the cameras out and they're, they're doing facial recognition and, and things like that. And I think that we're going to have a huge, huge issue with that going forward in the next three to five years because people are not going to want to be tracked to that extent. I understand that maybe the need for it to track people who have come from an area that's a hot spot relative to um, the virus and going to another spot, but I think people are really going to whether they rebel. track yeah. whether they track you or not, they're tracking you. Oh yeah, no, there's no question about it. It goes back to that TV show that we used to watch. Person of interest. Person of interest. Yeah. Yeah. So life after the pandemic is going to be whatever happens to us. And in Matthew 6:27 we hear, And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? So just take it as it comes and don't worry about it. I would agree, Evelyn, with that. And I think the subject of contentment, which has been such a, a bugaboo throughout the history, contentment is something that everybody really struggles with, and we're still going to be struggling uh, it's going to be a problem that's going to drive most people back to their old ways of seeking happiness, relevance, and importance through their possessions and the perceived esteem from others. That's a sad state. I think that we have to turn to our faith, turn to our families to find that contentment. We can't turn to the materialistic world in whatever shape it is in the new normal to provide us with contentment. Whatever happens over the next 8 to 12 months, John really nailed it with that word contentment. If you look at it this way, we've been experiencing something that hopefully will never happen again in our lifetime. And during this time, we have had to make adjustments in our life. We are practicing contentment. Just keep practicing until it becomes a normal part of your daily life. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had a number of email questions for our financial expert, John Kennedy. And John is the co-owner of Candor Path Financial. So, John, we have you back on the phone, and we'd like to toss a couple of more emails your way. So here goes. John, I heard there was a suspension of the required minimum distribution for 2020. Could you please explain? The required minimum distribution prior to the year 2020, if you were 70 and a half or older, or you inherited an IRA that you had to take a required minimum distribution for, that's a systematic amount that you need to pull each year per the IRS. They waived it in 2020, but what we found is a lot of people have their distribution set up systematically. So this is certainly a good one to, to make sure and double check on if you had it set to go later on this year to turn it off if you don't need that income or you can take that income from a different source because not taking your RMD 
whatever that amount is, is how much your taxable income will be reduced by. So that's an important thing to know. The other component to this is if someone took their RMD already. So again, I mentioned taking a systematic RMD and having it set up. We have a lot of clients where towards the beginning of the year in Q1 of 2020, or in Q1 of every year, your required minimum distribution is taken. There is a 60-day rollover window. So if you took your RMD within the last 60 days already, before this was known information as part of the CARES Act, you can put that back, but you have to abide by that 60-day rollover window. So if you took it in January of this year, it would already be too late to put your RMD back into the account. All right, John, here's another question. Given this economic uncertainty, should I continue to invest in my 401k at work? The short answer to this question is yes. The longer answer would be that it depends. If the state of economic uncertainty and everything going on with coronavirus has directly impacted the the income to your family, and we're now stress testing our crisis budget, we're now having to pull into our emergency bucket, then in those moments, it certainly would make sense to, to have to change what our contribution is, reduce it or bring it to zero for something like a 401k or a 403b with work. But if you have good insulation in your emergency bucket and you're able to withstand this, the flip side to this is it's a great opportunity to be able to buy into stocks and you're able to do so via payroll deductions where you don't have the stress of trying to pick the bottom of this market. You're just slowly systematically putting money in. So I think it really, it ends up being a great opportunity, but we also have to lead with our core principles of what our family financial plan mandates. And if our situation is changing as a result of coronavirus and the economic impact, then we certainly have to change with it. All right, John, our final question, what does it mean to tax loss harvest and how can I implement this? tax loss harvesting, it's a way to feel good about loss. An example that I'm going to share. So let's let's just pretend somebody owns Disney stock and Disney stock performs poorly. It goes down. They have a loss on that Disney stock. They could sell it. And within 30 days, they could buy another security and it can't be Disney stock and it can't be similar to Disney. So it could be a company like Amazon. They could sell Disney, buy Amazon, and then capitalize on the loss that they incurred from Disney. But if they said, you know, I really want to own Disney stock, I like Disney stock, they could sell it, wait 31 days, buy it back. And then essentially what you did is you took advantage of that capital loss that you can write off on your taxes. You can offset capital gains with it. So a portion of it can go towards taxable income. But in effect, when you have a security that is like Disney in this example, that might be down, you can sell it, take the loss and then rebuy it back a month later, or buy a totally different security with it inside that month. John Kennedy, thank you so much. We'll have more questions for you next week. And for John and Evelyn Bean, we thank you so much for downloading and listening to our podcast. Hope you learned a thing or two. Hey, remember, we have a brand new podcast that we post each and every Wednesday, bright and early Wednesday morning. Simply go to compasscatholic.org on the homepage, scroll down, and just click on the word podcast. This is Manage Your Money God's Way, and we are from Compass Catholic Ministries.